Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. And me? Well, I'm Jim. Yes, indeed you are, and we want to welcome y'all back. Guess who's back, 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 back again. Back to the beginning here of season five. Again, I'm still flabbergasted Ooh. that we've made it this long. It's kind of great. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm awake for today, which is more than I thought I'd be. Well, uh, that makes one of us. Right. Well, me and Jim record this kind of, I don't want to say early in the morning, especially for Jim, but uh, it's early enough. I work second shift, so I don't get home from work until about 10.30, 11 o'clock, so I don't usually make it to bed till like, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, 11.30, midnight 30, something like that. So we record this at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is where I live. I live in the Pacific Standard Time. And we go with my time frame because to ask Jim to do it at 9 o'clock his time uh, would be 7 o'clock in the morning my time. So that seems like a good enough compromise. And I work from home as a remote employee, so my whole thing is that I'm sort of on the West Coast 9 to 5 because my office, which technically doesn't exist anymore, but which is the place I got hired, uh, is in Las Vegas. So uh, because they're in uh, Pacific Time also, uh, my 9 to 5 is like 11 to 7, so I don't usually start my day until right around this time anyway. So I'm also sleeping pretty late and getting to bed pretty late, so this, uh, this time usually works out for us pretty well. Viva Las Vegas! Oh, you know it's true. That's true. I do miss that place, especially now when it's, uh, oh gosh, when it's about 25 degrees outside and there's a good foot of snow on the ground. So, yeah. But that's all the more bitching about the weather I'm going to do on this episode. Two old men bitching about the weather and their health. Now, speaking about bitching about your health, and I'm going to keep it kind of light. We talked a little bit uh, a couple episodes into last season. We were talking about, uh, I had an eye appointment uh, after my uh, ketoacidosis event with diabetes. And and uh, there had been some slight swelling, or what they call now, I know is called edema, in my left eye. And they wanted to keep an eye on that, no pun intended. Uh, but hey, uh, <laughs> they... Uh, were concerned about the swelling. They wouldn't write me another prescription for a new set of glasses until that's gone down because to write a prescription where your vision might change in a month or two seems foolish and you have to get new glasses all over again and the out-of-pocket would be outrageous. Outrageous! So they've been keeping an eye on that and then uh, so I went in for a follow-up hoping it'd be all done. Uh, They told me at one point that I might have to get an injection in my eye I remember telling you I got kind of skeevy about that just because, but a little bit uh, liar liar stick or what is that what is that? liar liar hope to die stick a needle in your eye something uh, like that. Uh, they had at one point said that they might not need to do that. I was thrilled, overjoyed, uh, and all the other adjectives. But uh, upon visiting them last time, my follow up here last week, as of recording. Uh, they were less enthusiastic. They said the swelling is still there, uh, regardless of my reduced A1C, which they were thrilled about. Everyone seems to be thrilled about that, including myself. But, uh, because it was still there, they're like, oh, well, we can, uh, we can get you on the schedule to come in and get that, uh, injection, which horrified me immediately. Like, I went white as a ghost, I'm sure. And I'm already yeah. white as a ghost, so... 
What are you going to do? Ba-dum tish. But uh, they're like, oh, we could put you on the schedule to do that. And I'm like, I just paid a $50 copay just to be here today. If I'm going to get it done, you're not getting me for another copay. And they're like, okay, well, we can get it done today if you want. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I don't want, but no, who would? Long, while I'm here. And so I got to sit back and get these weird little eye drops that numb your eyeball up enough. And then, so I got the first shot, which was a numbing agent, which was to prepare your eyeball for the follow-up. And if the follow-up was another needle that was filled with whatever the medication's called, I, I have it written down somewhere, but, um, yeah, you don't see the needle. I didn't see the needle. But what was really weird is you could see the fluid going into your eye, and it oh, was Jesus. like it was like this this swirling, like a squid-looking thing, and it was very, very off-putting. Now I tell, I will tell you, it was a lot of build-up for nothing. I didn't feel the needle. I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, the only real after-effect from that was for a couple of days after that. Uh, it felt like I kind of had like a, a piece of sand or an eyelash in my eye while that was healing, but that's gone down too. So hopefully See, they would have had to completely anesthetize me. None of that numbing agent shit. None of that local stuff. I have <laughs> such severe eye horror. So you got balls yeah. bigger than I'll ever have, my friend. It was it the the psych up for it was a lot more than than the actuality of it. So thankfully, I just you know uh, when I was a kid, I had. Uh, I had a lazy eye, and I had to wear glasses, and they had to do the exam, and they had to, you know, put some belladonna eye drops in to kind of do the dilation thing, and I was maybe two or three years old, and um, my mom said to the ophthalmologist, just, just you know, if it's going to be a little uncomfortable, just let him know, don't, we, we don't lie to him, we talk to him like he's a grown-up, we don't uh, we don't put anything over on him just because he's a kid and he's not going to remember, just don't lie to him, tell him if it's going to burn a little bit, and he'll be fine with it, so the doctor... Uh, uh, very swiftly told me this isn't going to hurt a bit and then put the belladonna eye drops in which you've ever had those they burn like a son of a bitch and I'm three years old maybe <laughs> and uh, so apparently it took two nurses the doctor and my mom to hold me down to get the drops in the other eye and the whole time I was squinting at him like like he I just I just said you know you lied to me you lied to me and it was one of, one of my earliest memories is a, a grown-up lying to me because it just hadn't happened up until that point it's a core memory but it's blue so to this day I can't even put in fucking Visine if I have a little bit of redness. I can't do it. I have this horrible eye horror thing. To the point where, I think I told you this uh, offline a couple of days ago, um, that I had a hard time moving in through that, that, that very famous uh, cringy section of Dead Space 2 where you gotta <laughs> use the machine to pierce Isaac's eyeball. I, I would have to be completely and totally anesthetized because I, I would just involuntarily thrash in the chair and probably wind up blinding myself. So there's this scene in Star Trek Discovery Season 1 uh, with Jason Isaac's character, which is funny because you said the guy in Dead Space, his name was Isaac, so there's a little tie. But uh, uh, his name is uh, Captain Gabriel Lorca. And, uh, okay, this isn't a spoiler. Trust me, it's not a spoiler. It's been out for about five years now, so four years now. So uh, if you're not going to see it, you're not going to see it. Uh, but Pretty much, yeah. Uh, there's a his character suffers from a light sensitivity due to being from the mirror universe and uh, so every now and again before we know he's from the mirror universe he'll sit there and he has this little like it looks like an EpiPen and he just brings it up to his eye and just <laughs> needle oh. in the eye and it's horrifying 
and so I had these visions of of Isaac from Dead Space and and Lorca from Discovery, and I'm just like, Unshan Andalou. Which one is that? Unshan Andalou. What is that? That is a an experimental French film, and I don't remember who did it, but it was notable because uh, there's I've never seen it. I've just heard about it. There's a scene that was uh, uh, that is referred to a lot as being one of the earliest and most uh, affecting special effects, where somebody's eyeball basically gets sliced open with a razor blade in close up, oh, and no, it's not actually you. real, obviously, but uh, it was uh, just one of those things that apparently really shocked audiences. I want to say it was from the '50s. It was a pretty uh, I don't know. I, I'll have to look it up, but that's just one of those things I've always had in the back of my head. I always even had a hard time watching uh, uh, Clockwork Orange when they when they prop Malcolm McDowell's eyes open yes. with that thing, and I just and I know that there's nothing going into his eye at that point except for rapid fire information, but just having your eyeball exposed and open like that just. Well, it, apparently that was one of those things that uh, Malcolm McDowell was a trooper over because he did scratch his scratch the shit bad. out of him, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, other than that, oh, I, I, I just looked going it up. Well. Uh, Unshian Andalou was a uh, as a 1929 film. It was only 16 oh, minutes geez. long. But uh, yeah, French silent short um, by Louis Buñuel and Salvador Dali. So that uh, kind of explains quite a bit about that. Yeah, Dali was messed up. I like his work. But he was messed up. Yeah. That cat was crazy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's it. My, my health has been on the up, uptick, thankfully. So we're not going to do a whole lot of bitching about the health, hopefully, this season. But I thought uh, a little follow-up on the needle-in-your-eye thing might be uh, called for. So rest yeah, I'm assured. I'm a week away from, uh, from getting my tonsils torn out, so we're both sort of in the same... They're not getting tearing them maintenance shit. Well, it's going to feel that way. I, I just always heard that you should, if you're going to get your tonsils out at all, which again, you don't really have a lot of choice over, uh, I'm just trying to beat the chronic strep throat. If you're going to get them out at all, you got to get them when you're a kid, because kids heal so fast. Me, I'm 47 years old, so I don't heal as quickly as I used to. I'm, I'm far from Wolverine, and, um, you know, the diabetes also doesn't help with that. Uh, no. I heal pretty slowly. I, I, I remember I had a uh, blown out vein in my wrist from when I had my colonoscopy, and the bruise took about a month to go away. So that was a pain in the ass. I'm just really hoping I can get back into fighting shape because the procedure is February 9th, a week from today when we're recording this. Uh, but it's uh, I, I have a gig with the band on March 18th. And we had one on the 4th of March that we had to cancel because I just was not confident that I was going to be able to make a gig that early. So it's another week and a bit out from that. So I'm really hoping five weeks is enough time to, uh, to bounce back and rehab the voice because uh, I don't want to cancel that gig. Man, you sound I've already like had to cancel one on my account. You sound like me when I had COVID. I was I was just sitting there, uh, like, fighting the week, fighting the week. It's like, this has to go away. This has to go mm-hmm. away by Friday. Yeah. Because I got a gig on Saturday, and I don't want to I don't want to cancel the gig. A, a big part of the reason I'm doing this is because I've, I've had this chronic strep throat that keeps on coming back, and it's been a, uh, a very lucky thing that it hasn't hit me a day or two before a gig, because if it had... I can barely talk when I have that shit. It's uh, it's impossible to sing. So I'm just really hoping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that uh, that I'll bounce back in enough time. One way or the other, I'm going to do the gig. You know, I just have to uh, to make sure that I'm uh, doing everything I can to heal, rest up, and rehab. Yep. Uh, which is also why we're recording so far in advance a couple of these episodes. Uh, uh, now, now, today's topic is, is, is a bit... It's going to be topical while we record it. But it'll still be in the cultural mainstream by the time this episode hits the air, so don't you worry. Uh, this is definitely a discussion that needed to happen. 
Uh, before we get into any of that, I would like to remind you um, that the Future Phantom Podcast was created specifically to be a conduit of conversation between friends, between other people, uh, specifically to talk about the things that get you riled up, the things that get you passionate, the things that keep you fans of whatever it is, be it uh, sports or or video games or movies or what have you. Uh, fandom is truly everything, and that's kind of what I wanted to bring to the surface with this podcast. I, I loved having those conversations that make you and the other person just light up and explode with geeks just geekery and just love of what you do so that's why we started the Feel Your Fandom podcast and of course that all stems back to a conversation not just between Jim and I not just between Jim, I and our guests but between us and you and that's this is how you can reach us we want you to reach out and get in touch with us on Facebook you can hit us up on facebook.com forward slash Feel Your Fandom you can reach out through Gmail uh, which is feelyourfandom at gmail.com or the backup Gmail address, which is fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, or what's left of it, at at fuel underscore your, and we're on Instagram at at fuel your fandom. And as always, we are forever taking donations for the Fuel the Future program that helps us get comics into the hands of underprivileged kids, and you can drop a couple of bucks on us if you have it at Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App at at fuel your fandom, and we hope you do. And if you want to find us, and we hope you want to find us, uh, you can dig us up any place fine podcasts are bartered, sold, stolen, traded, and dropped, and that includes Audible, and it includes Spotify, and it includes, uh, oh gosh, uh, Apple oh, Podcasts, so uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts. If, if you can find podcasts there, then you can find us there. Yeah. But if you're impatient, and I get that, um, my boy <laughs> Saint always makes the latest and greatest episode available. That is Feel Your Fandom, you know how to spell it, .buzzsprout.com, B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T. And that is where the latest and greatest episode will always be hanging out for your listening, I don't know, pleasure? But that's uh -huh. pretty much the story. Question mark? We always talk with a question mark. Pleasure. I'm uh, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. Now, a couple of quick things, uh, quick shots before we go into the main topic. I was reading up, because I do, on Star Trek. A lot of Star Trek news hitting the, the airwaves lately because of the impending release sure of not just Picard Season 3, the final season of Star Trek Picard, which looks to be gangbusters, and from everything I've heard is going to be just exciting, electric. I can hardly wait for it. Uh, but in addition to that, we also have a coming season of Star Trek Discovery, Season 5. We also have uh, Strange New World, Season 2. It is a great time to be a Trekkie. Uh, I will say that, but Trekkie, Trekker, whatever you call yourself, what have you. Whatever the, the accepted parlance is, I've always just said Trekkie. But uh, one of the main bits of, uh, of an article that I've read recently uh, came from uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes himself, the good old uh, Captain Riker at this point, uh, who also happens to be a director who's directed a number of episodes of Star Trek across many of the series. Um, he has come out and said uh, in, in regards to Star Trek in the cinemas uh, he does not think that Star Trek is fit for the cinema anymore and I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way 
what he's saying is Star Trek has been performing so well in a small screen format and they're able to do so much more now with this prestige television version of Star Trek the mm-hmm. 10 to 12 episodes or what have you uh, and the storytelling is unleashed by the fact that it is not on uh, a regular network. It's not on UPN. It's not on WB. It's not on Fox or anything like that. It's on CBS Unlimited or Paramount Plus now. Uh, so they're able to be as gritty and, and hardcore. Or and, I mean, they can drop swear words if they want to. I mean, they can yeah, do It's basically one. a cable show. Yeah, it's prestige television now for nerds, and uh, and they're doing so well with that format that he doesn't see the future of Star Trek being in the cinemas. And I gotta say, as much as I enjoy seeing these Star Trek movies, I've enjoyed almost every Star Trek movie they've ever released, uh, to one degree or another. Uh, but I kind of get it. The long form story format that they're able to accomplish with what they're doing uh, the deeper more nuanced stories that they're able to draw out uh, like this I feel it I understand where he's coming from what about you what do you think I know you're not a, a trekkie per se but uh, what well, do you I think mean, about that it, it's, dichotomy I think it's interesting because <clears throat> obviously Trek is as big as the universe itself and it's got several different series running concurrently and um, you know the the, uh, the films I mean, the original run of films with the uh, sort of, uh, you know, Shatner Nimoy uh, era stuff were, uh, first were pretty and celebrated. Half, and, you know, yeah. yeah, and then they had the, uh, the, the TNG films and everything. And, but this sort of like new generation of films, the J.J. Abrams, sort of like Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto kind of movies, they're, I don't know, they've been a little hit or miss. I mean, uh, and, and again, I saw them. I'm not like the, the Star Trek fan that you are, but I did see them um, because I do find them interesting. I kind of like the movies from the perspective of, like we've said before, in the, the glut of entertainment episode, I just don't have the goddamn time to catch up on multiple episodes of, of, of series. So I kind of like the movies. I, I understand they want to tell larger, more more involved stories with, with ups and downs and character progression and arcs and all that, but I really like the movies because it was just a, a reduced time investment for somebody who, admittedly right. like me, is a pretty casual fan. I can go and I can see a full-fledged story in about two hours. And uh, so that always appealed to me on that level. Um, I feel like he's right. Star Trek is one of those series, whether it's like Doctor Who or The Walking Dead or whatever else, that requires a certain, or that, that doesn't require, but that, that attracts a certain type of fan who's right. willing to and able to invest the time to really dig into these, these uh, series, these, these season-long stories, and sometimes even more than one season. Um, you know these these plot threads they kind of stretch across uh, seasons a lot of the time, so I understand what he's saying from me. Like you said, prestige television from a nerd's kind of standpoint, it does make sense for Star Trek, as exhaustive and as massive as those universes are, to tell those stories in that format. But I I, I kind of think um, I hope that's just one man's opinion because I do still enjoy watching the films, and I really hope that they uh, they continue to produce those because it's just a much more concise level of storytelling for somebody like me. I get that, I do. I just, I just feel like it benefits a lot better from a long-form story, but I, I understand where you're coming from on it. I don't know that that's going to happen, but uh, and, I, and you could say almost the same thing about Star Wars in that regard as well. I know people hate me having Star Wars and Star Trek compared in the same sentence, but I mean, it, it stands to reason. You look at things like Andor, you look at things like The Mandalorian, um, 
which I just read a really interesting article space out about the Mandalorian here, is uh, that Kathleen Kennedy got her grubby little mitts involved in season two where she wasn't supposed to. And Favreau almost quit. Favreau almost took his ball and went home regardless of his contract. He was that. He was heated, apparently, from what I read. I mean, who knows how much of that is accurate, true, whatever. But uh, apparently uh, things like, uh, oh, God, I don't know if this counts as a spoiler for a season that ended, like, six months ago? Eight well, just to be ago? on the safe side, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and play the spoiler jingle. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Fast forward, smoke, cause it's a spoiler alert. And there you go. So, in in the Mandalorian season two, uh, Mando comes back into contact with Grogu, who he had sent off to uh, train with Master Luke. Uh, to be a Jedi, and uh, Grogu opted out and went back and, and is now uh, tooling around the galaxy with Mando. Which, you know, if you didn't know was not the plan, you might understand is the plan. But according to Favreau, Favreau's plan was to have Grogu training with Luke and have Mando off doing his own thing. Uh, but Kathleen Kennedy saw the cash cow that was Grogu slipping away and changed her mind and and changed everyone's mind uh, by being executive produced Uh, you've been executive produced bitch and so uh, that changed the story and that uh, kind of fired up Favreau to the point where he's basically like if we're going to do this next season she stays the hell out of my way Uh, and in fact uh, Gina Carano's character being written off of the Mandalorian uh, and the cancellation of the, uh, whatever, that New Republic uh, fighter pilot show or whatever they were putting together, the spinoff for her being canceled was not Favreau's choice. It was Kennedy's choice. In this particular regard, I think Kennedy made a good choice because fuck Gina Carano. Very much so, yeah. But uh, apparently these choices being unilaterally made from the higher-ups and not from the people who are creating this show really... Uh, Got hot and bothered to uh, John Favreau, but that—that's—that's that's aside from the point. That's just something I found interesting this week. As well, if you want to talk about, uh, I have a particular sensitivity around non-creative management suits uh, <laughs> making decisions that impact creativity because that's been largely my entire career. But you know, <laughs> as much as I said that uh, I, I kind of have to consciously take a pass on a lot of these Star Wars non-film kind of stuff a lot of this year i haven't seen any of them i still haven't seen the mandalorian i know it's great um but i may actually have to think about revisiting that opinion at least in terms of the mandalorian because um speaking of prestige television for nerds very recently i have come to understand that the formula of um pedro pascal being reluctantly asked to uh to, to, to transport a youngster across great distances despite their strained relationship because the youngster <laughs> has special powers. Um, that's a formula that can work. Um, again, no spoilers, uh, but uh, The yeah, Last of Us, young, episode yeah. three. Yeah, Last of Us, the episode three. Um, at the time of this recording, that just came out last Sunday. I watched it, and um, it is not hyperbole in the slightest for all of the press that I've seen surrounding that episode in particular, the series in general as being prestige TV, but that episode in particular as being one of the best episodes of television ever produced. I 
I can't say enough amazing things about it. And, and even if I did, it would be redundant because the the geek press at large oh, has sort of like lauded that. They, they, they've, they've sung its praises already. And it's, it's one of those times where they're not exaggerating. It was just so moving and so wonderful. And... Um, yeah, if you haven't watched The Last of Us or haven't even started The Last of Us, when you're listening to this, what the hell is wrong with you? Go watch it. We're probably on at least episode four or five by now. Um, and they're just getting better all the time. So please check that out. I'm behind. I need to catch up on a few of them. So uh, I've been busy. I've been busy. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, to to digging into some more track in the future as these uh, sort of series uh, come along and all, all these things drop because... Um, you know, uh, the next time we have some folks uh, who, who who have forgotten more about Trek than Oliver Noah, and I got to ask them um, why they never got around to doing something that I just really wish that Trek would have done Which a is. long time ago. Um, well, Trek has kind of been a little bit not dinged, but they, they, they've kind of been are not even laughed at. I mean, this is TV, and for a long time it was niche TV on smaller networks, and they didn't really have giant budgets, so they kind of I, I've read the criticism. And I don't necessarily agree with it that. Whenever they need to come up with a new alien species, they just kind of change the foreheads. Like the Bajorans have the ridges, and the Klingons have the ridges, and they just right. they kind of get a forehead appliance out and put it on them. So, what I want to know is why they haven't created an alien species that has an extra listening aperture on the forehead, like right in front, just something <laughs> that can bring in some audio. Because as we all know, Another you know, ear. Star Trek is about the first ear and the second ear, and then the final frontier. So, uh, I just want them at some point to uh, to lean into that a little bit more than they have. That was a long well, that's the only response setup. was appropriate to that. That was a yeah. long setup was, for that really, really I make no apologies. Joke. I make no apologies for that. Zero. Oh, well, if we have any listeners left after that. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, Prestige Format TV is kind of taken over, and, and things like Star Trek and Star Wars, I kind of feel like the TV is, is a much better way to tell these stories, especially as now that they're able to get uh, the actors and actresses that they previously couldn't like movie actors and movie actresses are are much more uh likely and, and able to come across and do prestige television instead of yeah just movies they're, they're kind of opening themselves up and so you see bigger names and bigger stars and uh i mean you get your star wars characters in a tv show you get your luke skywalkers you get your you know whatever it is and G, uh, giancarlo esposito i love that guy He's, he's fantastic. Every, he's a villain in everything, but he's beautiful. But, but so that was kind of that. And and so I'm kind of with Franks. You're kind of on the other side. I get that. But I just wanted to throw that out there as a little bit of a geek topic. Not what we're talking about today. Today we're going to talk about... As oh, wait, ever, before we get into that real fast. Oh, yes, sir. We have to talk about, as long as uh, we're, we're sort of on the Star Trek tip right now, uh, Star Trek's home of Paramount Plus, oh. uh, formerly CBS Easy Access, is probably going to be, if not changing their name, at least expanding their scope yet again yep. for the second time in, uh, in in almost as many years. Yep. Um, I just read an article where Paramount Plus is going to be merging with Showtime, yep. uh, much in the same way that HBO merged with Discovery, um, which is still underway and kind of <laughs> ongoing, and we don't know if that means that still anybody who paid for... Fire. Yeah, if you pay for the subscription to one, do you automatically get the other? How much of that content is going to be available? How much are they going to be dumping? But uh, yeah, Paramount Plus just announced a merger with Showtime, so that will expand their program offerings, their movie offerings, as well as, in theory, their budget. Um, but I guess we'll have to see what happens with that. That's also a pretty brand new story, and, and it's an ongoing thing, so definitely keeping an eye on that one. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to call it just Paramount Plus with Showtime. And I'm not sure if it's just going to be something that 
is like an extra little add-on pack or whatever, but we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. Par- Paramount's done a better job of that, like with the CBS thing, then becoming Paramount Plus, and then becoming, you know, whatever. They've done a better job of that than any other streaming platform I've seen. So I, I give them well, I kind of feel a like little bit of latitude with that. It, it seems to me like well, with HBO and Discovery merging and with Showtime and Paramount merging and, and Hulu kind of being owned by Disney and bringing all these different things underneath it and then some things or whatever. It, it kind of seems to me like all these different streaming services, yeah, like they're, they're, they're drops, like if you, if you put oil in your water when you make pasta, which you should, keeps it from sticking. You pour a bunch of oil on the top of the water and you got a million bubbles and then pretty soon they all grow together in one big bubble. And I don't know, I guess maybe if that keeps happening, all these streaming services keep merging, it's just going to all be one streaming service eventually and we'll just call it cable and we'll be right back where we started, full circle. <laughs> the circle of life. Cannot be denied. Right. So, okay. That all being said, now we'll get into the topic. The meat and potatoes of today, what we wanted to talk about was, uh, of course, the ongoing uh, DCU, the creation of the new DCU under uh, Peter Safran and James Gunn. Now, it's been big news recently. All the different shows have been canceled. Uh, Actors have been fired. Projects have been shelved. Um, things that are going away, like the the CW is basically after this next season is going to be bereft of all uh, DC content, except for Superman and Lois, which hope might get to go on a few more years, according to James Gunn. But um, uh, movies have been canceled and shelved, like Batgirl. We talked extensively about that. But uh, what they're doing now is they're allowing uh, James Gunn, essentially, and Peter Safran to build a new DCU. Instead of the DCEU, it's now called the DCU. Um, Kind of akin to the MCU, I guess. But what they've done is they've released their first slate uh, of... Programming and, and I'm not going to say movies, I'm not just going to say TV shows, because their programming seems to kind of run across the board. Kind of like the MCU does with Disney Plus shows now. But mm-hmm. um, they're trying to be more, um, I don't know, connected than they have been. Because they haven't been uh, connected. And, and that's been kind of the issue. And so... Uh, they announced their first slate, and I believe they called it, I don't know if it was Chapter 1 or Part 1, uh, Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters. And uh, we're starting off, and we can discuss each of these in turn as we talk about them. But the first um, on the list is called Creature Commandos. And Creature Commandos, from what I'm reading here, will be an animated series about a group of monsters that will include Weasel from the Suicide Squad. Um, It's being written by James Gunn, and he notes that the animation will lead into live action and back into animation, which is kind of something paramount of what they're trying to do with this. Again, making everything connected, whether it's small screen, big screen, animated video game. We'll come back to that. But uh, Creature Commandos. Uh, The next thing that they are talking about... 
I don't have a lot to say about Creature Commandos. I don't know anything about Creature Commandos. It's kind of the being created by them. So uh, we'll see what that becomes. Now, we've had uh, talk about James Gunn's Peacemaker Season 2 uh, being a thing still. Um, however, that's kind of been backburnered, um, which we're going to have a new series called Waller, which is going to be kind of, I mean, obviously focused on Amanda Waller, character from the Suicide Squad movies and from Peacemaker. Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis. Wonderfully acted. I love Viola Davis. Same. Um, but they're going to be doing that. Uh, and so we kind of know what we're going to get with that. It's going to be Belrev Penitentiary and, and maybe the formation of the Suicide Squad or how that came about. Or it could just be, you know, an in-betweener. We don't really know what exactly the details of that are going to be, but we do know that it's going to focus on uh, Amanda Waller, which always she's always got her hands in the, uh, in the pockets and in the politi- political realm of the DC Universe, so... It'll be interesting to see where they can go with that in a prestige kind of format. Um, plus, again, I just love Viola Davis. She's so fucking amazing in this role. I love her. Yeah, she's a great actress in general, but she really nails this part. And yeah. I, I've loved her and everything she's been in, but she just, uh, between the Suicide Squad and, and uh, everything else she's done with this, I mean, actually both versions of it. So she's been a pretty consistent uh, presence and... Uh, you know, kind of an anti-hero in a couple of ways because she's doing a lot of wrong things for the right reasons or right things for the wrong reasons or what have you. So she's an interesting layered character in this and, and Viola Davis is, is tremendous at bringing that character to life and, and building in that nuance. Right. And so they're bringing on Doom Patrol's Jeremy Carver and Watchmen's uh, Crystal Henry uh, into the writer's room for that. So some some comic book uh, writers or, or some comic book format television writers already into the room there so I'm looking forward to seeing what that becomes uh, we'll see uh, this is all kind of come to fruition in like the 2025 and 20, 227 so we got a little bit of a wait as they build this new DC universe um, now James Gunn has taken a lot of flack for this next one because as we've talked about we love Henry Cavill he's a nerd's nerd a man's man and all in fantastic as Superman. And there's been some rumblings, yeah. you know, it has to be said about maybe he was a little bit dismissive of some women on the on the Witcher set, so, I mean, I kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. He seems pretty good, he's right. definitely a great actor, he might be a little bit problematic, but not to the level that we kind of necessarily have to drum him out of the culture because of sparkling consequences, but right. you know, I mean, we're, we, we like him uh, until further notice. Right. Put a pin in that. We'll see. Yeah. We like him, Asterix. Um, however, uh, James Gunn's gotten a lot of flack for uh, basically, they came out in the news media and everyone's all pissed off. They're like, oh, you fired Henry Cavill. He's like, no, we never hired Henry Cavill. This is a new a new thing. And so I kind of get where he's at with that. It's a bit of a, uh, a, a minor you issue. You can't fire me, I yeah. quit sort of thing. Right. It's a semantic issue. Right. Because he did come out and say, Cavill, that he was going to be continuing with Superman after the, again, spoiler alert, uh, cameo he made in Black Adam uh, with Dwayne Johnson. So uh, that was supposed to be his, his re-entry into the DCEU, now the DCU, as Superman. But then that got 
quashed and kiboshed pretty fast after James Gunn got the reins of the universe. <laughs> so did Black Adam, but that's neither yep. here nor there. Shazam. But uh, he's gotten a lot of flack for that, but he's basically come out and said that he wants to recast all these roles as, with younger actors. With He's not necessarily bringing them on to do like origin stories again. That's not what he's come out and said, but what he's trying to do is make them more vital, able to carry the franchise longer, that kind of thing. So he's come out and stated that the first Superman, the young Superman movie, will be called Superman Legacy, which will be released, and has already got a release date, July 11th, 2025. So, uh, no director's been attached to it yet. Uh, Peter Saffron no came out and said, this is really the start of the DCU. It's not an origin story. It'll focus on Superman's balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He's the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He's kindness in a world that thinks of kindness as old-fashioned. So they're kind of doing that. Uh, maybe not a super-established but uh, Superman, but an established Superman. So we don't have to see the Krypton blowing up or, you know, Mom Pa Kent's farm and, and oh my God, look, I can run like I'm a missile or... Things like that, yeah. We don't get Smallville on the big screen, but it will be a younger, maybe, maybe kind of akin to the Batman. With we have the younger Batman there, just starting out and getting his his feet wet and his his pointy ears wet. But uh, which they've come out and said that the Batman is not uh, the Batman, uh, which is the Robert Pattinson uh, Batman, our bats, um, and like the Joker, <laughs> are not done. They're still making more movies. They're making The Batman 2. They're making uh, The Joker 2, which is, of course, ostensibly got Lady Gaga in the role of Harley Quinn. Uh, But they've come out and said that these movies are Elseworlds movies. And Elseworlds is basically the DC imprint, uh, not what if, but alternate universe kind of thing. Uh, Think of it like a multiverse. These are just different versions of the character. Yeah, the first Elseworlds book I ever read when I was a kid was Gotham by Gaslight. I think that was a lot of That's our a good one. introductions. Yeah, it sort of reimagines Batman as like a Victorian-era hero in the age of Jack the Ripper. So it was an interesting idea. And uh, yeah, so these are, I guess, the last threads of the DCEU, E being extended. Uh, so yeah, I guess that'll we'll be interesting see. to see. They might still do this, and then they might just still do a bunch of, like not necessarily spin-off films, but... Uh, different takes and like multiversal takes on these characters. So uh, those movies are still in the pipeline. So that's good. I, I didn't mind Robert Pattinson as Batman. He did a pretty good job. I didn't think I'd like him, but I gave him a shot, and I did wind up actually enjoying that movie quite a bit. And I do, and I liked Joaquin Phoenix as well. He, he was fantastic. Um, okay, so the next uh, we're going to talk about now: Greg Berlanti, uh, comic book writer Greg Berlanti, was developing a Green Lantern show. A Green Lantern Core show for uh, HBO Max, uh, or whatever it's going to be called after all this dust settles. Merger nonsense. But he was creating this show, and we were going to get a, um, Hal Jordan and John Stewart. We were going to get uh, maybe Kyle Rayner, uh, probably Guy Gardner. I think they actually cast Guy Gardner. Which I was looking forward to. He's such an a-hole. I was loving. I was loving the thought of process of, <laughs> of seeing Guy Gardner's Green Lantern on screen. But uh, apparently, the kibosh has been put on that version 
of uh, the Green Lantern show. And what they're doing now is they're doing a show called Lanterns, which is still going to be an HBO Max live action series, but it's going to feature Earth's two main Green Lanterns, which means we probably won't get Guy Gardner, which is sad to me, but maybe they'll throw him in as an Easter egg or a, a next season kind of guy or whatever. I don't know. But it's going to primarily focus on Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart's Green Lanterns. Uh, Peter Safran has likened it to HBO's True Detective, saying it plays a really big role in the main story that we're telling across our film and television. This is a very important show for us. That's about all they've released so far. We don't know who's playing Hal. We don't know who's playing Jon Stewart. But... He says it's a very important, I guess, a tie-in show. I, I kind of think, in my head, I'm getting a lot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., early Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm -hmm. how they tried to tie the, the movie and the TV shows together with that show. Not real successfully, but that's what they attempted to do. And so I get them trying to weave that narrative thread through uh, both of those. Uh, we'll see what happens. A lot of this is going to be dependent upon who they get to play these characters, too, because, you know, you yeah. need to be real compelling with your choices. Uh, if we're going to follow a new young Superman, we need to give a shit about new young Superman. And that's the hurdle yeah. that our bats had, too, is if we're going to follow this new Batman, this young Batman, this untried, untested Batman, we need to care about him. He needs to be something sympathetic, something that we can get behind. And, and I think they pulled that off, but that's going to be, if they're, since they're recasting across the board and, and just starting this whole thing from scratch again, we're going to need our Robert Downey Jr. influence. You know, the guy that's yeah. going to set this thing off because there would have been no MCU with RDJ. Without the RDJ. glue that holds everything else together. Yeah. And, and then so they built that universe around Iron Man, they, uh, uh, an admittedly B-tier character at that point. They built this universe around Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, and it start, they said, okay, well, we got this kind of quality from Iron Man, we need to have this kind of quality going into Thor, and so they cast uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, and we got that from Thor. We got that kind of pathos and that character motivation and... And so, okay, well, we got that from Thor, but we definitely need to get that from Captain America. And, you know, on and on and on. We can go all the way down the line. But uh, everything stemmed from that first building block, and I figured they're going to have that kind of same uh, challenge to make sure they appropriately cast these movies and shows to kind of bring us into this new DCU if they want it to succeed. So... Uh, one of the biggest uh, surprise announcements in the initial lineup, they've called for The Authority, which is based on a Wildstorm comic, which is an imprint that DC bought up years and years and years ago, uh, which created by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. Uh, this powerful team of antiheroes take it upon themselves to confront threats on an incredible scale while also enforcing their will on Earth's rogue governments. James Gunn has said, quote, There's great Wildstorm characters that were popular for a long time, and we're now incorporating them into the DCU. That'll be interesting. I don't know a whole lot about any of the Wildstorm imprint. I don't know much about those characters. Uh, so that could be good or bad. I'm not sure. Yeah, one of the things that really hit me when I sort of read this same 
slate of new things that are coming out, it really seems to me like James Gunn was somewhat encouraged and emboldened by the, the quarters of the Marvel Universe he was entrusted to uh, to run, uh, primarily the Guardians of the Galaxy, which uh, was its own franchise as it dovetailed into the larger MCU. Right, but before... Like a C-tier kind yeah, of team, yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Like, before those movies came out, only the most diehard of Marvel comic fans really knew who Star-Lord or Gamora or Drax even were. And then, of course, he took those characters and made them into an integral part of the, the, uh, the Marvel Universe... And then he sort of did the same thing with the DC stuff that he was entrusted with when he was on the outs with Marvel for a minute uh, with the Suicide Squad, which, you know, had a very, as we all know, pretty poorly received original outing. And he brought that back and turned it into something special. And then Peacemaker, pretty much everybody agreed, was the best thing the DCEU had turned out up to that point. Right. Um, I'm also a big fan of the original Wonder Woman movie and, and Shazam, which is another interesting piece uh, that we're not really sure what's happening with. Um Obviously, the uh, previously announced and, and fully completed uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is still coming out on St. Patrick's Day, and um, despite Zachary Levi kind of making some mildly problematic tweets lately that he's had a chance to clarify, nothing earth-shattering, but he apparently <laughs> seemed to be mildly making some anti-vax statements, which he sort of like walked back a little bit and clarified. Again, jury's still out on that, but... Um, it's interesting that he seems to be gun. I mean, it's sort of like looking at repeating the same formula of success that he had with Marvel, of taking maybe not your first run, maybe not even your second run heroes, your sort of C-level bench warmers, and turning them into really viable things. Because apart from that uh, Superman uh, stuff we talked about, um, the Superman legacy stuff, um, not a lot of these uh, things they talked about, and there's more coming up here in a minute, are necessarily your household name heroes that any Joe Schmo on the street would know if you stopped them and asked them to name five. Um, so it's it's interesting to see that he's he seems to be kind of like trying to capture lightning in the bottle again with these not exactly as well known as they could be characters on the other side of the uh, on the aisle from Marvel. Right. So it's like I said, it's a big giant experiment. We're going to see how it goes, but. You know, I read that Zachary Levi stuff, which is kind of disarming, but... Um, a little bit. I the mean... An, the anti-vax little... stuff is just kind of... I'm get, I'm over it at this point. Those those who are going to be vaxxed are vaxxed. We're not really right. changing any minds at this point. You well, I, I, mean? I don't even necessarily know that he was trying to be anti-vax, but... Uh, he responded to a tweet where somebody said, agree or disagree, Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company, the, the big pharma company that produced one of the original COVID vaccines, this tweet said, uh, Pfizer is a danger to society, or menace to society or something. And Zachary Levi retweeted it and said, hard agree. And people took that to be anti-vax, but then he released a second tweet, uh, released a second tweet, he, he tweeted again from, you know, no, no publicist or press releases involved with this, Clarifying, well, this is more what I was referring to, that Pfizer has been involved in some questionable research and had some things come out that were not necessarily the greatest medications that resulted in side effects that were unpredictable or class action lawsuits or whatever, and some people got hurt. Um, that He said that's what he was referring to. Uh, he didn't necessarily come out and say, I am pro-vax or I'm not anti-vax, but he did kind of clarify, that's not specifically what I was talking about, but I still feel like... As a big pharma company, Pfizer has too much influence over, you know, public health or whatever it is. And so they might. They he's might. kind of on the fence about it. They might, yeah. I mean, they odds might. are good they I mean, do. I mean, anything, yeah. any big company has got their hands dirty at some point. So, 
we all take medications and all medications have side effects and especially like the uh the, the one or two medications i'm on there without insurance they'd be exorbitantly prohibitively expensive oh, yeah. um but uh you know still i mean it's it's hard not to uh kind of cast a side eye at a company that's that's profiting from misery but at the same time without the covid vaccine millions more would have died um so it's it's really a double-edged sword as far as that goes yeah, and like I said, the, the, the anti-vax stuff, they're not changing any minds at this point. People who are going to get it no. have already gotten it. Uh, and we got problematic people across the board with that. Evangeline Lilly and... and uh, Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright. And then I just found out the other day, Ice Cube. Strongly anti-vax. And I, oh, love, I love Ice Cube. I, I do. I've always Same. loved Ice Cube. But uh, found out he, he's lost millions of dollars... Uh, due to uh, Hollywood's uh, vaccination rules regarding movie making, and he refuses to take roles where that's going to be an issue because he's anti-vax. So, I mean, wow. I guess I guess hard it's to, good hard that to he's hear. standing by his belief, but fuck, it's, it is hard to hear. Anyways, ugh, we can get sidetracked all day. Don't mind if I do. This Easy. next one, super super interesting to me. We were just talking about Wonder Woman and how we love Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman was fantastic. Yep. Of course, more than likely not carrying on the role at this point. They're going to want for a younger actress for this. But we're not getting Wonder Woman in the initial Gods and Monsters phase of the new DCU. What we are getting, and the ex- I'm excited just by the thought of this and the way they explain this, uh, while Wonder Woman was absent from the upcoming slate, uh, the Amazon heroine will be repl- represented in Paradise Lost, a new HBO Max live-action series. Peter Safran compared it to Game of Thrones and said that it would be a prequel series that explores the origins of Themyscira, the home of the Amazons, centuries before Diana Prince Wonder Woman was born. That is exciting. I've always been yeah, a big Game of Thrones guy. I like Game of Thrones. Season 8 barring whatever, notwithstanding. The books, the movies, or I'm sorry, the books, the shows, I'm, I'm kind of on board with it. I love them. House of the Dragon, I'm really digging so far. This ultra, I don't want to say ultra-violent, but kind of yes, but kind of no, but just this really deep almost gothic type of storytelling is kind of where I'm at. No holds barred and no punches pulled kind of stuff. Right. Um, it's it's fantastic. I've enjoyed Game of Thrones. I've enjoyed House of the Dragon. I'm looking forward to this because I feel like if anything was going to adapt to that kind of format, the, the, the origins of Themyscira would be like that because, I mean, uh, it became Paradise Island once, you know, remember, all gone. But how did the men get all gone, you know? We're going to get to see that. We're going to see their uh, derivation from Greek mythology into what they became, which is this island of Amazonian women. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do that. And how, I mean, because you can just, you can bet, you can bet we're going to get strong, strong female representation in this show. Man, I hope so. I, I, that's the hope. That's the goal. I, I would love to see it. I, I just want to see some kick-ass badassery. And I feel like if any of these prospects is going to happen, it's coming from this. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Game of Thrones-esque uh, DC show would be fantastic. 
Uh, you can get real dark and gritty with that. I'm, I'm sure it was a dark time. So, uh, James Gunn has also noted, coming forward, back that Matt Reeves' The Batman 2 is still in the works, and that it will be released on October 3rd, day after my birthday, hey, 2025. Hey, so I got a couple years for that. But we knew that going in. We knew that The Batman 2 wasn't coming out for a while. And, and it's just called The Batman Part 2. They didn't give it any fancy name or anything like that. However, as previously stated, that will be an Elseworlds property. In the main DCU, we're going to get a movie called The Brave and the Bold. Which will focus on Batman and Robin. So we're going to get our first DCU Robin. It's not going to be Dick Grayson. It's not going to be Jason mm. Todd. It's not even Ooh. going to be Tim Drake. What we're going oh to my. get is Damian Wayne as our DCU Robin. Which is exciting for a couple of reasons. Now this story takes its influence from Grant Morrison's Batman run, which brought us Damian Wayne, his son with Talia al Ghul, uh, who has now become... Not the Robin, but a Robin. He was he was main Robin for a while, but now uh, Tim Drake's back in the in the shoe, the little pointy boots, and uh, Robin's doing his own thing elsewhere. Just like we could have multiple Flashes and multiple Green Lanterns, we've got multiple Robins. But uh, we get Damian Wayne. Now this is exciting for me because if they follow the progression of Robins up to this point, that means we'll have already had. A Tim Drake. We'll have already had uh, a Jason Todd. We'll already have had Dick Grayson, which means we may already get Red Hood or Red Robin or Nightwing, which I think would be a fantastic thing to have in the DCU going forward. To have a Nightwing, maybe a Barbara Gordon Oracle Batgirl. I mean, that would be exciting because their dynamic is so fantastic. And you get such a different feel from the different Robins. Now, uh, Damien's, of course, a really hard-edged, raised-by-assassins kind of guy. He's very yeah. angry and aggressive and bitchy and doesn't <laughs> play well with others. And uh, Tim Drake is... So he's more, a rich little trust fund baby. Kind of. With a sword yeah. and assassin's tendencies. But uh, Tim Drake was always more the, the detective, the follow-up to, to, to Bruce. Uh, whereas we got hot-headed Jason Todd, who of course died and came back as the Red Hood. And then uh, with uh, Dick Grayson, we always had this jovial circus performer. Very acrobatic, lean and mean, uh, very pithy and witty. And... and the smile to Batman's scowl, as it were. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that that would be something that would be such a refreshing thing to have in a dark and gritty Batman world uh, would be to have a Dick Grayson out there that can bounce off of things and, and, and things like that. So I don't know where you think about that, but I definitely think that could be very beneficial. And that's not something well, that they've announced. Yeah. That's not something that they've announced. That's just speculation on my part given the fact that we're already coming into this with a Damian Wayne. So, I don't know. They certainly have plenty of Robins to choose from if they want to really spelunk backwards through the Batcave's history and just kind of pick 
whoever they think will be the best foil for whatever version of Batman they're cooking up. Right. It gives them a lot of rope to play with. Uh, hopefully, it does. They hopefully they don't hang themselves with it, but it gives them a lot of rope to have to play with. So, uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Uh, looking forward to that. Which means we're not going to get a super young Batman. I don't think they call for younger actors, but I think they're just talking like younger than Ben Affleck or or uh, Michael Keaton or anything like that because we uh, can't be too young if you've got like a 10 or 11 or 12 year old son and you can't be too young if you've already gone through three Robins and counting. So we'll see. Yeah, we're not talking about a, a, a grizzled, semi-retired Frank Miller uh, Dark Knight Returns kind of Batman, but but we're also uh, you know, not talking about we'll somebody, right? So we'll see. I, you know, again, all of this is just speculation. All we know is what they've told us, and uh, anything else is just kind of going to be up to the casting and the creative direction. We got a couple more to talk about. This next one is interesting. I, I I'm not sure where they're going to go with this. They've been teasing this dude in live action for a long time, but they've never successfully pulled it off. Booster Gold, the hero from the far future, will be getting his own HBO Max live-action series. Uh, James Gunn described Booster as, quote, imposter syndrome as a superhero. Uh, Since he comes back in time to find glory as a hero that he could never achieve in his own time. The idea behind Booster Gold was always that he was basically a janitor at a superhero museum in the future far-flung, distant future, whatever. He steals equipment and an AI drone uh, named Skeets. And him and Skeets travel back to the past with Skeets' knowledge of events and Booster's stolen technology. He goes on, he goes out to try and find himself a, a job as a superhero. He tries to become a superhero, but he tries to become like the NASCAR of superheroes. Because he's trying to commercialize and make money off of being a superhero. He's trying to get sponsors and uh, and things like that. So he's a superhero, but he's not taken seriously. And for good reason. Because he's cheating. He's not yeah. really a superhero. He's fucking cheating the system. And so that's going to be interesting to see. Because uh, you, can you can't really go without someone with strong comedy chops for that. I feel like you need someone like Eric. Like your uh, Chris Pratt or your Zachary Levi or someone who's got that background in like straight face comedy. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Not necessarily someone outwardly goofy. Not necessarily someone who is slapsticky. But you definitely need someone with a grasp of irony and comedy. and Because this isn't a role that you could take seriously. I don't think. I don't think you should. That'd be like trying to cast a hard, gritty reboot of uh, Plastic Man. Plastic Man was always a joke. <laughs> he always was quick with a quip and, and doing dumb shit. And if you made it... It was a, uh, no, a, a combination of Reed Richards' elasticity and uh, super, uh, Spider-Man's mouth. Yeah, and so if you tried to make a, a, a super gritty version of that, if you tried to make a super gritty version of Spider-Man, it doesn't really work. Because that's, you know, the key to the character is... He's got to be a kind of a doofus. He's got to be kind of a comic foil. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with Booster Gold. Again, no cast has been announced for this. Um, but may I make a suggestion, DC Overlords, 
Mr. Gunn, Mr. Saffron, if you're listening. If you're listening. If yeah. you're listening. And you should be. Uh, for Skeets, Billy West. Come on. Nobody does voices like Billy West. I, I'm just putting that out there. I think Billy West would be an amazing Skeets. That's just me. Um, all right, so. We got uh, we got a couple more here. The next one's kind of a surprise. Uh, for the first time since 1985, Supergirl is going to be getting her own movie again. The upcoming Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow will be based on Tom King's comic book series that was released last year. Uh, in this iteration, Supergirl was raised on a rock, a chip of chip off of Krypton, and watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life, and then came to Earth when she was a young girl. She's much more hardcore. She's not exactly the Supergirl we're used to seeing, so it's not going to be kind of like a Melissa Benoit Supergirl, not like uh, super cheerful and, and a ray of sunshine, and um, at least not yet. Maybe that hope comes later. The S does stand for hope. So the uh, gritty reboot version of Supergirl. Kind of. And so it'll be interesting to see how they play that. I never read Tom King's run on that, so I read a lot of Tom King's work on Batman. I know he's, he's talented as hell as a writer. So I might have to give that a poking through just to see what it reveals and what kind of insights you get into the character. There have been a couple of different versions of Supergirl over the years. Of course, we had uh, pre-crisis, you know, grew up uh, on Krypton, sent away uh, from, I want to say, Argo City. And uh, uh, got to Earth after Clark uh, just because of like a something happened in space and she got lost along the way and so she arrived much younger than Clark was when she got here even though he was sent afterwards and a whole lot of <coughs> different reasons why she was the way she was but uh, she kind of played the ingenue version of Superman and the aw shucks pure version and and then we got uh, post crisis she died in crisis post crisis we got a version of Supergirl that was a shapeshifter that was being manipulated by uh, a clone of Lex Luthor. That's not something we're going to see. I doubt we'll see anything like that. So it'll be interesting to see what this new version of Supergirl can can do and can be like. Uh, having not read that, I got really no opinions on it one way or another. But it'll be interesting. We're going to get a new Supergirl in the Flash movie coming up. Uh, so that'll be interesting, but that's again probably going to be relegated to an Elseworld story. So, uh, and then finally, uh, we get Swamp Thing. Uh, it's going to be a new feature film based on the classic DC character. The movie will quote investigate the dark origins of the creature, and it will be totally different from other DC movies. Uh, of course, we did just get that one season, one and done, uh, off of HBO Max. Uh, I had watched like the first episode. I didn't get too much into it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they play with that. There have been a lot of Swamp Things over the course of the years uh, in the DC Universe proper. So we'll see what kind of version they take with that. But he was always kind of this... Uh, uh, chemical botanist who gets merged with plant life and becomes connected to 
the planet, you know, connected to Earth. So we'll see what happens. I don't know a whole lot about that property, so. Yeah, Swamp Thing was always a really weird kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I actually had a couple of Swamp Thing comics when I was a kid. I didn't really collect a ton of comics because, you know, who had a bunch of money then? But, like, still, I just, Swamp Thing always intrigued me because he always had a sort of an eco-bent to him and he always, like, uh, his his powers were sort of largely undefined and he, he kind of just seemed to me to be like, they, they, they had a lot of flexibility as far as what they could do with that character. They did a lot of weird shit with him. So right. it, it remains to be seen, I guess, once again, what they do with it. But unless this is, like, kind of Moon Knight-level weird, I don't know if they should even do it. Because Ooh, he's, he's one of the weirder characters that they have. would be good. Yeah. That would be really good. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, other than that, we still have some properties still coming out, like we talked about. We have uh, the Flash movie still coming out and of course uh, problematic as Ezra Miller may be uh, all the buzz coming off of this movie is that it's better than the Dark Knight that it is kind of the preeminent property probably the best thing that DC has ever done is what they're kind of praising it as so we'll, well see. And I also wonder if as I read James Gunn said the same thing like he really believes in this movie it's tremendous you all have to see it to believe it and all that and I just I, I hope because Ezra Miller has been kind of keeping a pretty low profile lately. Um, I just really hope that it's not Gunn out there beating the drums for this movie because he's worried people aren't going to see it otherwise because of all the negative press surrounding the star. I mean, and that very well be, be, may be the case, but uh, we're not going to know until we Proof's see it. It's going to be in the pudding. Yeah. Uh, of course, we don't have our, super, our Batgirl movie that got canceled. Uh, Blue Beetle is still in the works, as far as I know. We haven't heard any announcement to the contrary, so... Uh, at least according, as to this recording. So, uh, And, of course, we're still going to have like Superman and Lois. That's an ongoing concern, at least for now. James Gunn has come out and said that, yes, he plans to see, hopefully, Superman and Lois go at least a couple more seasons. Uh, we're coming into season three right now, so maybe uh, we get a, a couple more seasons out of it, at least. An interesting announcement for that recently is that they've cast their version of Lex Luthor for uh, season three, and it's Michael Cudlitz from The Walking Dead. Played mm-hmm. Abra- he play- was it Abraham? Yeah, red-haired Abraham. Uh, who, in the TV show, of course, not a spoiler at this point, got his brains beat out by uh, Negan. Um, so, uh, I love Michael Cudlitz. I think he's a fantastic actor. I'm looking forward to seeing his take on it. I also like John Cryer's take on, on on Lex Luthor, which I didn't think I was going to. Because we already had our little weaselly, uh, scrawny little Lex Luthor with Jesse Eisenberg, and I didn't care for that too much. And so when they said they were bringing on Ducky from uh, uh, Pretty in Pink, I was a little bit cautious, because why would you do that? But it turned out pretty good. I rather enjoyed him as uh, Lex Luthor. So, uh, looking forward to that. Of course, again, not the point, not what we're getting at, but uh, I don't know. That's the release slate as it sits right now. Now, the hunt is on for all these actors and actresses that are going to fill these roles. Uh, and like we talked about, we hopefully they'll find their RDJ or their Chris Evans or their Chris Pratt's or whatever they need to find to fill these roles. Uh, it's, it's a daunting task. I don't envy them. 
And I don't envy them because they've got the entire eyes of the entire Geekosphere resting firmly on every action that they make. And as evidenced by the Fire James Gunn tweet that went briefly, momentarily trending the other day just because of the fans of the Snyderverse. Um, The internet's a cruel place. They got very little... Yes, uh, it is. They got very little uh, patience or temperament. Empathy. Yeah, Yeah. empathy. That's a good way to put it. Kids can be so cruel. We can? Thanks, Mom! (laughs) And And, uh, the fans want what they want, and they'll accept nothing less. And uh, so, you know, we've talked quite a few times about toxic fandom around here. Yeah. So I, for one, am just sort of reserving judgment. I'm going to give Gunn the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to see what he does with it. Hopefully he can build the DCU into something that will rival the MCU, because they've struggled in that regard thus far. But um, that whole rising tide lifts all boats thing, uh, I, I can't be mad at any of what's going on here until I see it. And uh, we'll, we'll judge it when it comes out, based on the quality rather than the speculative merit. Right. And, and that's just the thing. Again, we talked about, uh, you, can, you don't have to be a DCU fan, and you don't have to be an MCU fan only. You don't have to like Star Trek only. You can like Star Trek and Star Wars. You can like GoBots and Transformers, though, for the life of me, I can't figure out why you do that. Uh, you can like Marvel and DC. There's no, it's not really competition, per se. Um, yeah, you're looking for box office numbers. Yeah, you want to be the next Avatar 2 or whatever the hell, the next Top Gun. You want to make those big dollar numbers. But at the end of the day, it's all geek media. It's all here for us. Yep. It's all built and designed around fueling our fandom if you want to put too fine a point on it that's what it's about that's what it's about and the more the merrier in in that regard bring it on bring me that content if you want to bring me a younger superman fucking bring it i want to see it if you want to bring me damian wayne i would love to see how you do that paradise lost holy shit am i into that idea uh with gritty Green Lantern cop drama because they're the cops of space. Hell yeah. Let's see it. The proof is going to be in the pudding, like you said. And and the fact of the matter is is they've got a lot of work to do. And then they've got a they got a they got an entire ship to write. Uh, and and uh, and that's why they, I kind of feel like that's why they did the unilateral just kind of we're starting from scratch thing and I kind of get that. Because it's much easier to start from scratch when you fuck up a recipe than to try and save a recipe with shaky with shaky means if you've already put too much. Let's talk pasta sauce. You're making a pasta yeah. sauce. You put too much oregano. The lid dumps off of the oregano as you're shaking it in. Now you got too much dried oregano in there. That is going to be hard to eat. You're making a Mexican dish. You put too much dried uh, cilantro in your dish like I've done. There's no saving it. And at this point, the DCEU, there's really no saving it. It's It's been beat to death at this point. It's had its good points. It's had its bad points. It's had its ups. Your Aquaman, your, your Wonder Woman, your uh, Shazam. Uh, it's had its downs. Your Lex Luthors or your... Uh, bats v. Soups. The Bats v. Soups. I was also going to say the Martha! Um, the fucking mouth, the digital mouth on Henry Cavill. But, I mean, they've got a much better chance of doing something that will satisfy the core geek sphere as large, uh, starting from scratch. Starting that pasta sauce over. 
yeah, it's going to take a little longer. Yeah, it's going to cost a little more. But, but in at the, the end, end of the day, you're going to be proud to serve it. Exactly. And I know that's a really weird analogy, but that, I'm, a, I'm a cook. That's the analogy you yeah. get from me. <laughs> but we want to know what you think about this whole thing. After hearing about the slate uh, coming for the new DCU, what properties got you most excited? What are you most into? Uh, what are you kind of looking forward to? What are you not looking forward to? We want to hear your opinions. Uh, this is never meant to be a one-way conduit of conversation. We, of course, want to hear your voice on the matter. You can get a hold of us in a couple of different ways. You can reach out and do some touching through Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fandom. You can hit us up on our Gmail, which I do answer. Uh, Gmail. It's uh, fuelyourfandom at gmail.com. FYF talentbooking at gmail.com is the backup email address. You want to send us show ideas there, pie recipes, guest suggestions, especially if they're you. And you can find us on Twitter at, at fuel underscore your and on Instagram at, at fuel your fandom. And we're also at fuel your fandom on PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo if you want to drop a couple bucks on us to get comics into the hands of the underprivileged kids. We're looking to wrap that up this year for sure. Um, Absolutely. And wherever you find us, we're happy you find us. You can dig us up wherever fine podcasts are sold, bought, traded, and bartered. That's right, Google, Audible, Amazon, Spotify, Apple Music. I mean, we're everywhere. Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. So, from our houses across the country to you, across the world, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of uh, the Fuel Your Fandom Podcast. And please do remember, everything is fandom, and fandom is everything. Take care. Your face is fucking killing me, bro. <laughs> me too. <laughs>